This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast, the first version of this week. And if you tuned into episode number two last week, it was a bit of a, a split episode because Sean and I, trying to be proactive, got up early on Friday. And Sean's up early with the kids anyways, but we timed it out where we would get that in, have the conversation about Jahan Dotson coming back, address some of the other roster movement, and then move on with our Fridays. And just for me, uh, I had a lot on my plate moving to a new house. And as I was pulling out literally of uh, the Penske truck rental uh, place and this huge truck ready to go fill it with a mountain of furniture and boxes and bags. Uh, I get the text from Sean that the offensive coordinator move came down. And I think Sean did a great job at the top of the podcast, really hammering home the point that this was a shocking move. Uh, usually, Sean, if anybody, is is ahead of the curve on, on things that are upcoming for Penn State that, that might be in the process of happening so we can anticipate them a bit. So when Sean is shocked, you better believe everybody on this beat was shocked. And you did a great job. You had Chris Hummer in. Uh, you, you got Mike Roach in uh, last episode and, and good conversations there about the move to bring in Mike Yersich. Uh, former Texas offensive coordinator. If you missed that last week, go listen to it. Very detailed, very thorough. We're going to talk about it here at the top. But uh, wow, what what a complete kind of uh, way to throw our Friday uh, from from top to bottom uh, with that move. And and thanks for carrying the weight for the podcast uh, with me carrying boxes to and fro. Well, it justified my decision to not offer to help you move. So that kind of <laughs> right. is what it comes back to. But yeah, definitely a surprise, as we mentioned on Friday, but really ton of listenership on Friday. I know you guys were itching to get that thing, uh, you know, through your ear pads or ear, or ear pods or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that was that was one that, that came up on us quick and, and it got to us. But, you know, things have si- finally settled down. We've got a wave of good news, which, you know, Penn State fans haven't really been all that used to that. You got Dotson coming back. Castro Fields coming back, uh, the new offensive coordinator hire, which you know you could probably conceive as good news because it is a big move uh, for Penn State and hopefully in the in the direction of you know exciting football. Um, and then you know a big news on Jaquan Brisker, which we'll get into in a bit. But yeah, the the shock move to bring in Mike Yersich uh, certainly really not in line with what we expected from Penn State this offseason. You thought with the COVID year that uh, Kirk Shiraka would get more time to get in his offense, and this is one you know in, in doing some more research. And I'm, I'm trying to think of where I was at when I recorded this because – or when I recorded that on Friday um, because we got to talk to some more people afterwards, got some more details. This is one that's been on James Franklin's radar for a long time. Mike Yersich was you know, a target that, that we identified in the last coaching search. It seems like you know that was not able to happen with him being at Ohio State before he went down to Texas. But also he was on that radar before when he was at Oklahoma State throwing the ball around out there. Um, so this is one that I think James Franklin has you know, sort of kept his eye on for afar, um, maybe not not even afar, but uh, was able to, to get him in. He was unemployed, obviously uh, went out with the Tom Herman staff, but was able to get him in and, and get this thing across the line and uh, do it, I guess, quickly, do it uh, under the radar of everybody. Uh, you know, as, as we said on Friday, the staff found out on Friday morning. So uh, hats off to him for, for going covert on this one because he, he surprised everyone. Uh, now, what does this mean for Penn State? Uh, you know, a little early to get into that because he's got to match personnel with what he's bringing to the table. Obviously, you're, you're moving away from, you know, sort of the, the run on first down, run on second down and, and see what happens with the RPO third down, you know, kind of getting into that 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 feel of what we thought the Kirk Chirac offense would look like. And you get into some different things. I, I reached out to some people. Temple, I think, is going to be something that's sort of hammered home. Uh, used it a lot at Texas. Of course, at, at Ohio State, they use that as well. Um, using that pace and getting into space is 
is probably like uh, one of those cliches that you're going to find yourself uh, hearing about and talking about over the next year. So uh, getting things you know, just a little bit quicker. I don't know that anything changes a ton schematically. I'm uh, just talking to to coaches that have run across Yursich in the past. Everybody kind of runs a variation of the same thing. I mean, the, the offenses really aren't that different from school to school. You've got, uh, you know, places like Alabama that can run, you know, what looks like to be a tremendously complex offense, great offense. Well, they've got the, the horses to do it, and you don't have that everywhere. So you've got to find that, uh, find your talent, uh, balance it, and figure out what you're going to do um, with the guys that you have and make it work. I do think that, you know, from from less of a concept standpoint, not afraid to be aggressive, take some shots down the field and, and maybe make some big plays. And, you know, basically after watching uh, or after doing the postgame podcast after all nine games this year, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of that and seeing some more excitement. So uh, that's kind of what we're looking at moving into the year such era. I mean, hard to say how long he's going to be around. He's, he's obviously had a couple of stops um, that have been brief ones, but now if he's got his own offense and if you were listening on Friday, that was a big thing. If he got his chance to run his own offense, we, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. This is, uh, you know, you're number five for me now covering Penn State football, and this is offensive coordinator number four for Penn State over that period of time. Um, and, and, you know, Sean Clifford, by the way, has been here for that entire time. And um, you talk about James Franklin maybe being enamored with this guy for, for, for several years now, for a few years. He, he talks about keeping that list, keeping tabs on people, and, and when the time is right, trying to, to make that marriage work or, or seeing if it's something that can work. And um, I just thought about the gravity of, of this decision. You know, 10 days ago, you know, Tom Herman wakes up as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. And you, you think Mike Yersich isn't going anywhere. Um, and, and then he loses his job. Steve Sarkeesian, who we saw help put, uh, Alabama put the finishing touches on the championship run last night. He moves off to Texas. Former Penn State head coach Bill O'Brien, now rumored to be the new offensive coordinator, uh, heading to, to Alabama moving forward. And Yursich ends up here. And I just I, I think about the gravity of James Franklin calling Kirk Sharaka to deliver this news. Um, and, and that to me, I think you phrase it as a big boy move. And I think there's also another term that applies to big time college football. And sometimes it's very cold blooded um, and it's very difficult to have that conversation. A big narrative we heard last year when Kirk Shiraka was brought on board. And that was an aggressive move to grab him from Minnesota before while Minnesota was preparing to play in a New Year's Six Bowl and, and completing you know, their journey um, on a great season with Kirk Shiraka as offensive coordinator, bringing him down to Dallas overnight, essentially. Um, it, you know, he was from Pennsylvania. His wife was from Pennsylvania. Uh, it felt like the culmination of a career. And we heard that from Franklin, and we heard it from Kirk Shiraka, and it, it made sense, and it was a homecoming of sorts. And you bring him in, the pandemic hits, and then you give him the boot. And I'm sure you covered this on Friday, and – you know, how many real practices, real football practices did Kirk Shiraka have with this team? Um, how many real face-to-face -face conversations did he have with the players that he was coaching over the course of that year? Now, I know you want to go make this big move. Uh, you're still paying Kirk Shiraka. Kirk Shiraka can sit around this year and watch Netflix every day if he wants, and he'll still be cashing a check from Penn State. Th that's his choice to do what he wants with his year now. But for James Franklin, what my mind went to was him actually picking up that phone because I don't know if th that he came into to 2021. I can't imagine he did thinking that he would be in a spot where he would move on from Kirk Chiraca this quickly. When the Texas move happens, that guy on the top of his list that he had circled and underlined five times becomes available and, and unemployed all of a sudden. You make that move, but that also means you're not making the call to hire the guy. You're making the call to fire the guy. And considering what we heard 11, 12 months ago about why this all made sense to bring in Shiraka, that's a heavy, heavy call to make. It's and it's unexpected. I mean, let's uh, let's be honest. Penn State doesn't make those moves. You know, this is not the tradition that the the, the program has uh, has really seen. You know, not even just Franklin, but before that as well. You mentioned Bill O'Brien, by the way. Uh, Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien is is something to think about because that's that's a great job for him. Uh, nice little rehab stint down there with Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. Uh, but yeah, you, with with Kirk Shiraka, obviously we're, we're not going to say anything bad about Kirk Shiraka. We think a lot of him. We've we, we've seen what he's done at other programs, and obviously this year a complete anomaly for everybody. And you know, still think he 
a great football mind, and this is obviously not. I don't. I don't think this is a mark against him based on what he's what he was able to do. But like I said, Yursich has been on Franklin's mind. Obviously, just it is kind of one of those hindsight things that you look back and think of. Um, been on his mind for a long, long time, and uh, that's is that the style of football? I'd like to see it be the style of football that he wants to play and spread it out and make some things happen and. You know, make some things happen out of uh, the groups that you have, especially you've got a young, talented group of receivers. You're getting Jahan Dotson back. You've got a young, talented uh, pair of tight ends, and you're, you're, you know, you're trying to add to that as well. Um, that gives you some really good things to think about. Uh, curious, uh, you know, how this affects the running backs and what they do with the running game moving forward. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we've got nine more months to talk about twice a week here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. By the way, if you haven't noticed, Tyler's uh, recording stuff still in one of those boxes that he's uh, sorting through right now. It better so. be. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. It's 24-7's recording stuff. Uh, no, yeah. but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's certainly something that we'll talk about in the coming months. Of course, the elephant in the room is going to be quarterback. What happens with quarterback? We don't know. We don't know if that's um, something where Mike Yersich comes in with a plan. Obviously, you get a little bit of uh, leeway there. When you bring in an offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator that hasn't worked with your guys, that maybe has some connections to guys in the past, we will see what happens with that. That'll be a fascinating storyline, at least for the next couple of weeks, because if you can get a guy in, um, you know, before the spring semester starts, have him go through spring ball, that's one thing. If you can't, you have to wait till after spring, then all of a sudden you've got to go through the the practices with the guys that you've had. So a lot of interesting, fascinating dynamics when it comes down to uh, what Mike, what this sudden change means for the rest of the program, because you're going to see ripples uh, throughout over the next couple of months. Yeah, I mean, he's going to uh, Mike Yersich is going to inherit uh, a pretty impressive personnel group. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about what they have at tight end, even with Pat Fryermuth moving on with his career. There's a lot to like about that room. They've recruited at a very high level at running back. I think we're all wondering what Noah Kane is going to bring to the football field after suffering injuries the first couple of years in his career. Where is he at right now physically? We're expecting a kind of a uh, really a big time season out of him with Journey Brown sideline, and that didn't happen. Um, and then at wide receiver, it's some, also something we've discussed of late is, is the ability of, of Taylor Stubblefield to apparently elevate that group. Jahan Dotson, a true number one target, back on board with you. Um, I still think you have some ascending guys in that room. you got to sort them, some things out with some of those veterans in that group. But you're bringing in a freshman class that I think is capable of, of making an impact right away, maybe making an impact in the starting lineup by the time 2021 is said and done. But the, the conversation is going to start at quarterback, Sean. And um, you know the 2017 quarterback class is, is one that I followed incredibly closely. And in retrospect, it's helpful for this conversation because – um, I was able to go out and cover Elite 11 Finals um, out in Los Angeles, spent four days out there, and because of the access I was granted, I was actually in the Elite 11 War Room every night. And those were some late nights. Those guys do a very good job going through uh, some of those prospects with a fine-tooth comb. And, and the big story out there that year was Tua Tagovailoa's uh, ascension as as a national name, and, and we all learned about him pretty fast at Alabama, but... There was a lot of guys in that mix beyond Tua. Tate Martell was probably the lightning rod name, but there was a, a mix out there. I came away from from observing those conversations and, and observing the action on the field, then going to the opening a few weeks later, where, where the you know the top guys from the Elite Eleven were invited out to be part of the opening finals at Nike's World Headquarters. Sean Clifford, Sam Ellinger, both were part of that, and, and I came away from that experience. Actually placing Sean Clifford higher than Sam Ellinger, who I, I believe at the time may have been rated higher. Both were four-star prospects by 24-7 sports when all was said and done. When I think about the skill set, the athleticism, um, you know, what you're working with there, I, 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 I don't think there is a huge difference. I don't know how, how much you got into this on Friday maybe, Sean, but when, when I look at Sam, his body of work at Texas, when I look at Sean – his body of work, and also just strictly focusing on their athletic skill set, uh, what they bring to the table from a size standpoint as well, uh, can both can move around. Um, I think the big separating factor here is the decision making. You know, what, what are you getting out of Sean Clifford asking him to get into another offensive system? Uh, what are they going to do at quarterback? Does does this presence of Mike Yersich open some new doors for you in the transfer portal? Uh, I don't know about that. Um, does he is he going to evaluate other guys in this room differently than maybe Kirk Shiraka would have evaluated them? 
he's still got the same game tape or, or lack thereof to work with with these other guys like a Levis or a Roberson. Um, so to me, though, I, I mean, I know Sam Ellinger because he was such a huge Texas high school football player who then played for the Longhorns. He's been a buzzy name. But I, I, I'm, I, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing me that Sean Clifford is some kind of significant drop-off from, from who he was with the Longhorns. I, I see a lot of kind of parallels between those two players. Uh, you know, I see some parallels there. And, and, and I think that, you know, if you look at the, the general makeup of those guys in terms of athleticism, in terms, in terms of arms, in terms of the, you know, if you put them in a situation where, you know, they have to go out there and, and throw it around in shorts and t-shirt or do whatever, I, I think they're similar players in, in their talent level. Decision making, however, I mean, has not been Sean Clifford's forte, and obviously, you know, when that when things get fast and loose, there, you know, it tends to not take care of the football, and that's really what turned twenty twenty on its head. So, I I think it's more, you know, I want to stay away from that comparison because it's more about Sean Clifford fixing what he needs to fix in himself. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. When you see him make uh, the throw in the window to Jahan Dotson on the slant for Penn State to score against Ohio State, that's a that's a ridiculous throw that, you know, he makes, what, one out of four times or something like that. That one is really good. And then he throws it high three more times. You know, that that that's the, the sort of thing. It's the consistency, the decision-making, that sort of thing. So I, is, is a new coach going to you know, magically turn this on its head. You just don't know. I, I mean, obviously, the we expected it last year with Kirk Shiraka. Now, to, to to both of their credit, they didn't get that off season that they had hoped for. But at the same time, we saw enough of that bad from Sean Clifford, where you've got that pessimistic, uh, you know, thought creeping into your head that you know this just got this. If he doesn't get it now, is he ever going to get it? No matter who's coaching him up. So I think that that's one thing. Um, and another thing, twenty four seven Sports did have him as a three star prospect. I wanted to go back and okay, uh, I know that's something for. That, yeah, he was a composite okay. four-star. But you're right. He was an Elite 11 guy. He was a guy that, you know, obviously, you know, won a state championship in Ohio. So he had so many things going for him and has had things going for him at times when he's been at Penn State. Um, what, what's interesting to me is everybody wants to just bring in a transfer quarterback and have him take over and whatever. And that's just not that simple because you look at the portal, these guys aren't very good. And that's uh, I think that's another one of those, those truths that people – don't want to admit is Sean Clifford, while he has his faults, and certainly, you know, I've been on that train where he has his faults, no doubt about it. Um, he's better than the guys that are in the portal right now. And that's that that, that says something about the quarterbacking uh, st- landscape in college football, it says something about Sean Clifford, it says something about Penn State's quarterback room as well. But at the same time, it's not an easy fix. It's not a quick fix. We will be mentioning the name Sean Clifford quite a bit, but I, I mean, just just looking at what you're working with here in this move, I mean, you mentioned some of the key words there. Tempo is definitely going to be uh, something to watch here. I think there's some play action tendencies that I like. How about some motion? I mean, uh, motion is something that a lot of people were begging for to see more of from Penn State. Sign me up for some motion leading to some wheel routes, maybe um, some two back sets. This is a, a running back room where if you factor in John Lovett coming in from Baylor and Noah Kane returning from injury and what they have right there and where they finished the year with those two true freshmen playing a significant role. And I think there's a lot of confidence in Kevon Lee, particularly I think there's room there for two guys to be on the field if it makes sense. Um, you know, the deep shots, uh, maybe you could use probably another shot of speed at wide receiver in that room. Um, you know, it, it, I, I just think there's a lot of things that you like about the way he schemes out to space things, removing safeties from the equation by using wide receivers as decoys. Uh, some of those passing concepts almost force the defense to get into man-to-man encounters when that may not be where they want to go or where they anticipated going, you can take some of those deep shots. Deep shots. You can attack the slants. I heard it, Sean. Thank you. Um, and but yeah, you know, I, I think obviously though it's going to come down to, to to the quarterback conversation. And and I would imagine, you know, correct me if you think I'm off base here, but I think we will get a chance to ask James Franklin and probably get Mike Yersich himself. During the traditional signing day uh, in, in February, that was our first opportunity, I believe, to get Kirk Shiraka. And he had been with the program really technically since Christmas week of 2019. We didn't get him until that first Wednesday in February. We got him and Troutwine together. And we got Franklin, of course. And, and there wasn't a lot of talk about the signing day hoopla. It was more about the, the coaching changes and, and what was going into that. 
considering what we're seeing post early signing period, I don't think there'll be a lot to talk about recruiting. I think there'll be a lot more to talk about transfer portal and there'll be a ton to talk about the offensive uh, adjustment. Part of that is going to be basically, I'm curious to hear his assessment of what Kirk Shiraka actually experienced at Penn State um, and, and what actually was able to be implemented because very clearly from our late season conversation with Shiraka, there was a lot of, you know, uh, read between the lines. This isn't the fully formed offense that we want to install at Penn State. Stay tuned. Let us get some real practices. Let us get a real offseason ahead of us. And you'll see that fully finished product. And, of course, we're going to have a lot of questions uh, for, for Mike Yersich about what he wants from his quarterback, about what he sees in this quarterback group. And um, that conversation starts with Sean Clifford, and then it's going to extend all the way down to Christian Veyu as Penn State brings in its early enrollees this weekend. And by the way, I probably should have teased this at the top of the show. Hopefully it's in the, the podcast title for everybody to know about, but we're going to have one of those early enrollee guys on in a bit with Nate Bruce, the offensive lineman out of Harrisburg. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good good get by you. And you mentioned, uh, you know, he, he expanded on his decisions and, and what he's been through. It's pretty cool uh, to see Nate Bruce, you know, make it uh, all the way to, to – to uh, enrollment next week or, or what have you. So um, that'll be something to look into. You know, moving on from Yersich, the big news of the week, um, also the I think the third straight story that's broken while I was walking my dogs around the neighborhood. <laughs> it's consistent. Uh, yeah, it's consistent. <laughs> I think Dotson was coming back and then Yersich broke. And then uh, I was about a couple of houses up when I left when news of Jaquan Brisker coming back. Uh, big boost for the defensive side of the ball. Uh, this is definitely a huge a huge storyline going into 2021 because you're going to have to probably probably uh, release replace excuse me I am struggling now you have to probably replace two safeties now all of a sudden you get Brisker back who is clearly on the ascent by the end of the season um, certainly takes uh, takes away a lot of that sting that you thought you could get and, I, and I've said it since the end of the season I think it's the right move I think he probably would have gone third round uh which is you know pretty good um but i think he's got potential to come back for one more round and move up in that draft i think he's going to test well eventually um but he puts a little bit more on tape gets his hand on the ball plays in a few different roles and um you know we don't still don't know who's going to be playing beside him but at the same time that's one of your best if not your best defensive player um based on how they finish the season Last week, one of those mailback questions was about guys that we could foresee being game wreckers on defense, uh, players who could truly reshape what the offense is trying to do against you. And he was the name you went to. I went to Brandon Smith, and, and I think Jaquan Brisker is a guy that you've been eye on for quite some time, and you really started to see that come to fruition as this season wore on. And um, and I think Terry Smith also told us this, uh, I think it was week nine, actually, when we got Terry um, that that Jaquan Brisker was was the guy that that they were hoping to get out of Lackawanna during the final portion of this 2020 season. They were seeing the player that they, they thought they could get. The former junior college All American came in, got his feet wet in a big way as as a second teamer in 2019, and and then took on that role last year where he, he actually you know changing over safety positions, having to. To, 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 you know, just kind of find those bearings without, again, a, a legitimate offseason to do so. So, um, yeah, this is huge. I mean, I think in, in a five day span, you're looking at the, the, the offense getting its, its, its most important weapon back and, you know, maybe the top player, I think probably certainly the top player that we saw in, in 2020. Back in the fold with Jahan Dotson, that was in question for quite some time. And defensively, there's a case to be made of Jaquan Brisker maybe being the high-impact guy uh, in the 2021 defensive uh, room. And, and you know he's got a lot to live up to, and, and we're all going to be curious if he can build off what we saw in the final month or so of the year. Uh, but this is big time uh, to get those two guys uh, back on board. You know, this 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 thing started out kind of trending in the wrong direction. People were freaking out a bit. You, know, you, you saw some of these draft confirmations, some of these transfer confirmations, and and now you're seeing the kind of swing the other way where you've had some time for guys to think about it. Uh, they're now locked into sticking with Penn State. You're seeing some of the reinforcements come with the transfer portal. And there's a lot to like about the way the personnel movement has gone here through what has it been? Less than three weeks or so of an offseason that feels like it's been underway for about two months based on all the uh, the, the uh, movement. 
Yeah. And, you, and it's not something you've grown used to. I mean, it's usually been a, how quickly can I get out of here type thing. So uh, to, to see them get a couple of key players back is certainly, um, you know, I wouldn't call it unexpected, but certainly welcomed. And we expected it, by the way, we recorded that on Friday. We were expecting him to drop uh, his news at some point on either late Thursday night or on Friday. All of a sudden he gets bumped from the news cycle by Mike Yurisich, uh waits it out a couple more days. So it may just, may just sweat a little bit. So, uh, but that uh, certainly... Good news for the Nittany Lions. We appreciate it from content purposes. Thank yeah, you, Jake. Spread Klon. that out. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. Uh, so we we don't know what it means for, or we know what it means for uh, Jaquan Brisker coming back. He's gonna obviously going to be one of those starting safeties. Um, that's a position that that was a big question mark. Uh, certainly looking a little bit better right now. You still don't know who he's going to be with. Um, you know, Penn State has has obviously Lamont Wade started. I think every game this year at safety. You've got Jair Brown, the the, the fellow Lackawanna Junior College transfer who played you know off and on throughout this season uh you know flashed a little bit but at times looked kind of like Jaquan Brisker did at times last year um so it's it, you you're curious what kind of uh strides that he can make Jonathan Sutherland uh has been here for a long time obviously special teams captain um you know it was just when he's out there at safety you, you don't really see a guy that's changing the game or um you know I think he's more of a box safety that a guy that plays the run pretty well um but is, is a little bit of a liability in coverage so this far along in his career does he flip that switch? And I know we've seen guys do it. Malik Golden's done it and Troy Apkin and those guys. But at the same time, I don't know that you've seen enough um, from Jonathan Sutherland to think that he can slide into that role and be a, a reliable starter. You got two young guys that physically, you know, you kind of think, okay, they've needed some time in the weight room. They've needed some time to get used to uh, Big Ten ball in Tyler Rudolph and Enzo Jennings. Where are those guys out right now? It, it's tough to say. I mean, you you, you haven't seen uh, that they, they weren't able to break into that uh, that rotation this year. They weren't able to you know get onto the field. In, in the case of Jennings, I think till the last game of the season. So those guys are probably on a similar schedule, except one year apart. You know, just uh, Rudolph kind of played some special teams late in the year during his true freshman year. Jennings is is uh, you know they're both long athletes. They can run, but can they take that next step and move from you know essentially depth guys, young. Depth depth guys into starters. That's that's a lot to ask right now. We won't know. Spring ball, obviously huge for the both of them. Drew Hartlob entered the portal uh, today as we're recording on Tuesday afternoon. Um, that one stings from a special team standpoint, but nobody was expecting him to uh, to go out and, and be and be that guy. Of course, they're bringing in some some defensive backs in the in the new class. Uh, I don't think Jalen Reed's going to break through anytime soon. He's more of a, one of those box guys um, that will need some time to to learn coverages and things like that. So, I mean, the portal is still open. I mean, it's not going to close anytime soon. And as we mentioned, it's going to come in waves. So you've got guys that you can look to, uh, you know, whether it be after the semester starts or after the spring. So I still think they're looking for a safety. Auburn's Christian Tut went in uh, this morning or this afternoon. Um, and that's certainly one that, you know, you kind of keep an eye on based on past uh, contacts and things like that. So still think they're looking for a safety in the portal. Still think they're looking for high school safety as well. Um, but you're not expecting a guy that you pick up at this point at safety, excuse me, from the high school ranks to come into play right away. Yeah, Reed, Wheatley, both of those players are, are not enrolling early. So I think it's uh, very much a long shot to see them come in and challenge for, for significant playing time as true freshmen as things stand right now. Um, what to make of Rudolph and Jennings, physical stuff aside, how will they play football at the Big Ten level? That We don't know that either. And I think we have seen a lot of Jonathan Sutherland, and, and that doesn't really lend to confidence that he's going to be uh, you know, a starter who can do everything that you need out of that position. I think at this point, I'm very interested in the possibility of, a, of that all Lackawanna situation at safety. Those guys have played together. Uh, it's helpful to have a bond there in place uh, between Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker, but Jair Brown's got to go out and show Tim Banks and Brent Pry and James Franklin that uh, he is ready to make that step, and that's a, a very big step to make uh, in year two at the Power 5 level, uh, although year four for him at the college level, of course. And we heard from James Franklin back in December, defensive back, defensive end. Those are two spots they wanted to address in the transfer portal. I think the natural gravitation for, for most of us was to think safety when he mentioned defensive back. Then you get a cornerback and Johnny Dixon adding to that room out of South Carolina. Uh, I'm certainly with you. It's a spot where uh, out of any right now, you really have to assess that safety. And, um, you know, speaking of, of the transfer portal, now that things have kind of settled in a little bit after a flurry of stuff, we're starting to get a better idea. 
um, of, of where some of those starters are going to come from on defense. Uh, and, and you've got a rundown here. But yeah, Temple defensive end, uh, Arnold Ebiteke. Yeah, I always want to say Albert. I don't know why. Uh, Ebiteke. Um, and then uh, Derek Tangelo, who, who was on the show uh, last week. Those guys would certainly think are going to be at least penciled in right now. Um, Adiza Isaac, the most obvious candidate to step up among who you've retained at defensive end. P.J. Mustafer, of course, is, is already a starter at defensive tackle. And, you know, you look across the board at linebacker. We, we've discussed this before. Do you shuffle the deck there? What does that mean for some of the guys that have started and some of the guys who've been in this program for a while, like Jesse Lucetta, uh, like and, and Ellis Brooks? And at cornerback, uh, I, I don't know who emerges there. I, you know, Terry Castro Fields, Joey Porter Jr. are the probably the easy two to pick if, if, if everyone's healthy. But there's a lot of experience in that room, and, and we just spent time talking about safety. So, um, I don't know what intrigues me most here, but I'm still keep going back to linebacker because they got to make sure you're better there. I think I think if, if you're not good there, it breaks everything else down. Um, you've got the names, you've got the former blue chip prospects, you've got some guys with experience. Got to find the right order of things in that room. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, you got to figure out, uh, you know, if you if you can play with Brooks and Lucetta on the field at the same time this year, uh, that was not the answer. So you move Brandon Smith over to that will, and you make uh, Lucetta and Brooks go at it at, at the mic and and see, you know, if that can help negate some of that. And with these defensive backs that you're bringing in, are you playing more star? Um, are, are you playing that star with a safety? Are you playing that star with a corner? We saw, um, you know, early in the season that was Lamont Wade did not work there. They they switched up, put some corners in there, worked a little bit better. Better there. Um, so is Johnny Dixon that guy? So uh, we, we'll see. I mean, the, the, it seems to be just coming, becoming a little bit more clear, especially with Brisker coming back, the, obviously a huge deal, but com- becoming a little more, more clear what you expect personnel-wise for Penn State next year. And, and and you add some bodies there. Tangelo is obviously a guy that we look to to come in and, and start or, you know, maybe even compete with Hakeem Beeman and some of those younger guys at, at the defensive tackle. Um, Adisa Isaac and Ebikete are there, but you've still got some some other guys at, at defensive end that you know you're hoping Smith, Smith Vilbert can take a step in, in the off season. So um, certainly we're we're looking at it a little more clearly than we were at the end of December. Which yeah, uh, I don't think this is probably a long way to say. I don't think we can understate how big it is that Brisker is coming back. And this is year eight for your linebackers coach. This is year eight for your cornerbacks coach. This is year six for your safeties coach. That de- that defensive coaching staff. These are the guys that they have assembled. They have recruited them. They have dis- determined who to target in the transfer portal. There's a lot of experience there. You just got to go put the finished product together, and it's going to be a major challenge at the, at the start of that 2021 schedule uh, as some early tests for this defense. Um, we're going to get into it with Nate Bruce in just a moment, then we're back with our five-star mailbag. Some great questions coming our way up on Apple Podcasts of late, um, but we're Before we get to the early enrollee, a quick word from our sponsors here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a big week for Nate Bruce out of Harrisburg High School. He is about to make a major step in his personal uh, life and in his football career, moving on to Penn State, going to be enrolling early this weekend. And we got a lot of ground to cover here. We're going to talk a lot about football, but can you t- discuss maybe what these next few days are like for you personally, getting prepared from a family standpoint, from a personal standpoint, to, to make this move out on your own to State College? Uh, well, from a family standpoint, I know my mom's going through it. <laughs> my mom, my dad, because, you know, I'm the – I'm the, I'm the, I don't know the house. Like, I, anything I need, any, I mean, anything they need, I'm on it. They need me to go pick up my sister, go clean up downstairs, anything, every little thing. I'm the backbone of this whole family. So I know it's hitting my mom hard right now. This is the longest I've ever been, or I'll, I'll, I'll ever be away from her. You know what I'm saying? I'm always with her. I don't even stay, I don't even stay the night over friend's house sometimes. You know, I'm never even away from the house. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a big change for them, especially my sister, because I'm her big role model, you know. So it's gonna be it's gonna be good, but they know it's all for the better. Hey, 
You know, it hits me too, but I can't, I can't let them know that though. So. <laughs> well, you just did a little bit, but it's, it's okay. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure those hugs this weekend will, will get that message across as well. And, and look, you're traveling not nearly as far as some of your teammates, right? Uh, you got Christian Veyu coming down from Canada. Right, yeah. Let's talk about that because, Canada. Mm-hmm. yeah, because, because Harrisburg High School, you know, that that's in the grand scheme of things, uh, Harrisburg is a quick trip to, to state college. And do you feel a lot of local support uh, about your decision to go to Penn State coming from that community? Absolutely. There's a lot of support in Harrisburg. Uh, there's a lot of support in the whole Pennsylvania, everywhere I go. You know, everybody's rooting for me. Everybody, you see everybody around here with a Penn State something. <laughs> Penn State shirt, Penn State hat, Penn State sticker on their car, something. So, you know, I get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of support, fan support. Take a lot, I take a lot of pictures, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of support, especially from Harrisburg School District. Coach Cal has a great uh, relationship with Coach Franklin and the whole staff of the Penn State, and that's what that's what encouraged my decision. Because Coach Cal is a great Coach Cal is a great coach. He's a he's a phenomenal coach. You know what I'm saying? So he would never he would never send me off somewhere he doesn't feel me being safe or fitting in or anything like that. So it played a big part, especially and you know it's only an hour and a half away, so that's probably why I visited about what twenty times, nineteen times. <laughs> Harrisburg High School, the connection was clear on, on signing day because you were introduced to Penn State community by Micah Parsons. He announced you signing um, on that Wednesday. And what did that video mean to you? And, and what's the communication been like with Micah? I know he's obviously a few years ahead of you, but he, he created quite a legacy for himself at your high school. Uh, yeah, he's just forming a path for all the young athletes, even me and myself. So he's forming a path, you know. When I when I first came into football, you know, I've been playing football for about three years now. So when I first came into football, he was he was kind of my inspiration. You know what I'm saying? Like like I was seeing him doing so big, but I was a skinny basketball player. At least I thought I was. You know what I'm saying? So I was one of them, and I saw him getting all this fame, all this everything. I'm like, man, I could be good in football. So you know, I was watching him, seeing him do, seeing him excel, and then he committed to Penn State, or he signed with Penn State. Uh, forget what he did. And I'm like, yo, I'm playing football next year. <laughs> the next year I play, I started playing football. And then boom, I'm I'm <laughs> you know what I'm saying I committed going into my eleventh grade year. And my first year of playing football was my tenth grade year. So I committed one in my eleventh grade year. And yeah, he was just very inspiring. He's still inspiring to this day. So you know what I'm saying? He's very uh he's positive, he stays positive, he tells me to stay positive and you know, just keep working. And that's all that's all I really need for us. Just keep working. I think everything's gonna fall in this under place. So your freshman year, you're you're not with the football program. That of course is Micah's senior year and and, and you're watching that unfold. Were you at the auditorium at Harrisburg High School for Micah's announcement? Yeah. And then here we are, three Decembers later, and he is announcing you as a Penn State signee. How did that moment feel and what did you do? It was a different kind of signing day for everybody considering the circumstances, but what was kind of on your agenda that Wednesday? Well, what was on my agenda? It was just, you know, I was just spending time with family, you know, uh, I was just going to sign and I'm just ready to get to work to be honest with you. But, <laughs> you know, it was a big, that was one of the biggest days for me. It gave me, it still gave me chills three years. You know what I'm saying? I made it this far. I'm, I got a lot of work to do. I just can't wait. You know what I'm saying? So it gave me chills. That was, it was crazy. Micah introduced me, you know what I'm saying? A big time player for Penn state. He's going to be a big, big time player for the NFL, big time player for Harrisburg. So yeah, that, that was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Nate, you mentioned yourself three years on the football field, only one year on the field before you committed to play ball at the power five level. Did you surprise yourself with how quickly things developed? Uh, yeah, it was crazy, man. My 10th grade year, I got my first offer, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it was crazy. From there on out, I'm like, yo, I could really be good with this football stuff. You know, I I was just trying it out in 10th grade. I was just saying, you know, what's the hype about football? <laughs> so I was just trying it out. And then, boom, I ended up being, being you know, a good football player. I'm thinking I can go, I can go real far with this. You know what I'm saying? So I surprised myself. I thought I was going to be the next LeBron James because, <laughs> you know, I used to be kind of skinny. I thought I was going to be the next LeBron James. And, uh, Coach Maljo, he, yeah, he's the reason why I'm even playing football. He was my history teacher. He was the old lineman coach. Uh, he kept, he like, he kept nagging. <laughs> like he wouldn't stop. I'm thinking, dang, this man's annoying. <laughs> but I mean, I thank him for that. I thank him all the time. You know what I'm Thank you for getting me on the football field. I appreciate you so much. So, yeah, this was one of the best decisions I ever made to play football. So that's outstanding. I, I mentioned before uh, on this podcast and before we recorded, actually, uh, Richard Muldrow, who you mentioned there, was the Harrisburg offensive line coach. I got to know him when when I was helping recruit him on behalf of Rutgers back in the day. He ended up signing with Rutgers at, sure. as a senior in high school. Full circle, 
encouraging you to get on the football field. I love it. Rich is a great guy. Um, and, and obviously you're echoing those sentiments. Now, once you got on the football field and those offers came, you, you made a relatively fast decision to commit to Penn State midway through your junior year. But then in February, uh, you know, I, I know it's probably an awkward thing to bring up a little bit now in retrospect, but for about four or five hours, what went on there? And, and, and kind of after that moment, was it just, okay, I'm Penn State, it's shut down? What happened was, uh, you know, I got caught up in the hype because, you know, I'm still young in this whole recruiting process, this whole football thing. You know, I got caught up in the hype about other schools. You know, people get to my head telling me, you know what I'm saying, just just people talking, you know what I'm saying, which is real. It was real. Now, it, was, it wasn't good. <laughs> but, you know, I was young. I was just mixing the emotions of being a recruit. You know what I'm saying? I was trying to experience. I was trying to do a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah. But then, you know, I had to talk with Coach Franklin, Coach Cal, Coach Maljo, my parents. I talked it over with them like before, but like not too much, you know what I'm saying? So it came out of the blue. It, it kind of seemed like it came out of nowhere, but I was talking about it. And then I had to talk with them, you know, they explained how genuine love is. And like, I had to come to my senses, like, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of genuine love with Penn State. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot, it's a lot more than just football. It's not more than me just being alignment. You know what I'm saying? It's more than that. It's more than all that. So yeah, I had to accept that. And I had to, had to realize that. Cause you know, it's like, yeah, I didn't want to blow that chance at all. So, you know, I had to get right back on it. But, yes, that, that was one of the worst decisions I ever made. <laughs> committing and committing to Penn State, that was the best decision. Playing football, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. Now, that, that was a little bad decision right there. So, Well, to your credit, that was probably the quickest decommitment I've ever witnessed in college football. So, you, you, you it very fast. <laughs> so, here we are 11 months later. Yes, Let's sir. focus on the future. You're, you're about to take this step, get to campus. I'll talk about your roommate in a bit because there's a lot of excitement about both of you. But why was early mm-hmm. enrollment so important for you? And what do you expect to accomplish with that spring semester and, and this winter, of course? Uh, earlier enrollment was so important to me because I want to get a head start of not even just of my other class, like the other the other teammates in the class, but I want to get a head start on like schooling, getting the whole gist of being in college. I want to get on everything, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be, I don't want to go up there being, being, you know, the too average, any of that. I want to go up there having my head on perfectly fine. You know what I'm saying? I want to go up there being the best me I can be before I become the best football player I can be. I want to be the best me I can be. I want to be on top of everything I can possibly be on top of, you know what I'm saying? Cause, uh, Beyond football, what makes my mom very proud would be the academics part. And I want to be the best I can be in the academics part. Um, and also with that, with the football, um, what will make me super proud is going up there. I want to work I want to work my behind off when I go up there. I want to get up there early. I want to get a jump start on lifting, running, conditioning, anything I need to get a head start on. So that was real big on me. And But I knew about that, like, before – I knew about that, like, when I first started playing, because that's what Micah did. And then I started talking to Coach Maljo. He was explaining to me why Micah left early, why he was doing this, why he was doing that. And, you know, after a while, I'm, that's that's what I want to do. <laughs> and good on you for getting that done, because it, it requires that work academically. Do you know what your academic plan is at Penn State, getting a head start in the classroom as well? Do you have an ambition for a degree already? Uh, no, not yet. I have a lot of things in my head, like sports science, com- communications, uh, business majoring. I have I have things like floating around in my head, but I don't know yet. Okay. Let's talk about you and your roommate. What do you think about what Landon Tengwall brings to the offensive line? And then if it's just you two in this offensive line class, it's a small group, but how yeah. much of an impact can the two of you make moving forward? Oh, uh, we can make a great impact. He's, he's really dedicated. He has a uh, he has a great work ethic, you know what I'm saying? He's he's like, you know what I mean? So I can't wait to get to work with him specifically, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> he's been in this football thing for longer than I did. <laughs> so there's things he can probably teach me. I don't even know. <laughs> but I know he – yeah, I just can't wait to get to work with uh, Coach Trout, him, and all the other fellow linemen. Rooming with him, I don't know what it's going to be like. <laughs> we're just both big. <laughs> going to be hot in that room. It needs to be cold. We need a fan. He texted me yesterday and asked me if I sleep with a fan. I said, yeah. <laughs> he said, good, because, yeah, I need a few fans in there. You know, we're both 300 pounds just in the room. <laughs> he talked about working with Coach Troutwine kind of remotely, talking with him on the phone, maybe sending him videos. What's your relationship been like with Coach Troutwine? How have you two kind of – gotten prepared for your arrival on campus uh coach Charmine, great coach you know, we have a good relationship uh, but it's basically the same thing we talk about uh 
basically everything. <laughs> everything from my transition to Penn State to what I'm doing here and now, a whole bunch of stuff. Now, do you know where you will be on the offensive line? We, we've talked about you as an interior guy. Do you see it an initial spot for yourself in terms of whether it's on the right side of guard or the left side of guard or getting any kind of reps at center maybe? What, what is kind of the plan for you? Uh, the plan for left guard, right guard, um, comfortable at both. And uh, I'm very versatile, so I know that's I know they know that. Um, I think that that's plays a part why they recruited me. <laughs> I'm comfortable anywhere. I can do anything. I'm, so I was, I was, my plan is to stay in the interior. Well, 24 seven sports uh, upon further review of, of kind of your senior year and, and what you've been doing, bumped you up to that four-star status this past yeah. season. One thing that really stood out was the aggressiveness with which you played. Is that something that came naturally to you when you got on a football field or over time, did you develop that? Uh, it came naturally, but it, it was just like uh, I didn't have I didn't I always had a little mean streak in me, but it's like it didn't really develop until about eleventh grade. Like my tenth grade, I was learning about football. I I didn't know you were supposed to drive and slam people. I'm thinking you might you might get kicked out the game for that. So then when I got the gist of all that stuff, you know what I'm saying, I went out there with a different approach, especially my senior year last year. I went out with a different approach. The reason I did with uh, this senior year, I went out with a different approach is because. Uh, it showed me that football can be taken away any any game, any any day. It can be taken away from you at any any moment. So I was going out there trying to play every game like it was my last. You know, that's just that's just how I went. But uh, with the aggressive part, you know, what I'm saying it was, it was like I wasn't like nobody would ever even think I'm just aggressive. You know, what I'm saying I'm just a, <laughs> like my, my everybody around me describes me as big teddy bear because I am. <laughs> but yeah, nobody would even know how aggressive I am in the field. The people, the my other teammates, they. I mean, not other teammates, other, other teams we play, the other linemen, yeah, they hate me. They don't like me. Yeah, they never like me. Yeah, they don't shake my hand after the games. They don't do none of that. Well, the Big Ten defensive linemen uh, will get well acquainted in the upcoming years. What are your realistic expectations for what you want to accomplish during your first year on campus? Uh, my first year on campus, I'm going to learn as much as I can learn. I want to uh, experience as much as I can experience. Um, I want to get I want to get as as in shape, as, as big, as athletic as everything I can possibly be by my second year, I want to be, I want to be, I want to make the biggest impact I can make. If not my first year, any, any year, I want to make the biggest impact I can possibly make. So uh, I'm going to work my behind off when I go up there and it's going to take me where it takes me. But hard work is, hard work is, is my number one. Your class stayed together throughout this season, despite the 0-5 start, despite a lot of concerns about where Penn State was heading. They end up winning four consecutive games, but what did Coach Franklin and the staff do? And I guess what did you recruits do to make sure that things didn't fall apart before signing period? You didn't lose anyone along the way. Yeah, this class we have is real solid. You know what I'm saying? They're real solid. So um, we got faith in Coach Franklin, Coach Franklin's whole staff, the players. We have faith in all that. So we 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 just know everything's going to fall into place eventually. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just some things weren't clicking, but – it's all good. We're not going nowhere. We were never planning on going anywhere. Didn't hear no rumors. Nobody was going anywhere. We got a bit of a surprise in January with an offensive coordinator change. Was that pretty quickly addressed with, with you guys? And have you heard from the new offensive coordinator? Do you have some kind of feedback there? Uh, yeah. Um, Coach Franken, I think it was the day after, the day of. I don't know what it was. Uh, he got us all on the Zoom call, and he had a conversation about how uh, we were getting a new offensive coordinator, and then he just wanted to express that to us before the media showed us. So he wanted to – you know, that's why I like Coach Franken. He's real with us. He keeps everything – he puts everything on the table. So he wanted to express that to us before it got to the media, and the media told us. So he wanted to tell us that first. And the day after that, uh, we met him. We just had a Zoom with him last night. Uh, he wanted well, we, the, all the linemen had a Zoom with him last night. Uh, we just were meeting them. Uh, he's a great guy. He knows what he's talking about. I feel like he's going to make a real, real uh, big impact at Penn State, especially with us. And he believes it's all about the players. It's all about how we how we develop, how we put all of our work into the field. So, so when you say all the linemen, it was you, Landon, and then the guys who have been on the roster? Absolutely. Yes, sir. A last question. I want to leave you with this one because uh, we're going to get to know you a lot on the football field in these next few years here in State College. But can you tell us, tell our listeners what we need to be aware about Nate Bruce, the person coming to campus? You know, some things that have nothing to do with pushing guys down the field. 
Well, a big thing, I'm shyer than you think, and everybody thinks I am. I'm very shy. <laughs> I might not show one day, but when I have my AirPods in my music, just know I'm shy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very nervous. I'm already nervous about going to the state college, but yeah. <laughs> but a hobby I have, I don't know. I like, I like playing video games. Uh, I, like going, I like going fishing with my grandfather, too. <laughs> well, for a shy guy, you handled yourself pretty good on this podcast. Uh, we really appreciate the conversation. <laughs> hey, we wish you well. And next time we talk to you, you'll be officially in Nittany Line and, and we'll be talking about really? football again. So thank you and good luck. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, major thanks to Nate Bruce packing up and taking the time to talk on the podcast here. Um, we will get to know a lot more about him in the coming years here in Happy Valley. Um, Sean, it's a small offensive line class. We'll see if Penn State has an opportunity to add to it over the course of these next few weeks before the signing day, or if maybe it's something they address in the transfer portal. We know they are exploring options there as well. Um, but considering what we know, Landon Tengwall, who we've heard a lot of on this podcast, and then Nate Bruce, who we've heard far less of, curious what your thoughts are on Bruce coming out of Harrisburg High School, a guy who, as he said, he was surprised himself, picked up football, went out there his sophomore year, and before the start of his junior year, he's a wanted man by the Penn State Nittany Lions. That's where he lands. Uh, he's going to play in the interior. What are your realistic expectations for Mr. Bruce? So, so when you come to camp as a younger prospect, uh, you know, albeit during the team section where they got the big man challenge and everything, if you're that big, you get noticed, and that's something that just sticks to me about Nate Bruce. He's he's uh, you know, power five size is certainly has never been a question. It's about shaping that size. Obviously, you know, he's he's going to get into the weight program. Probably look a little bit different in three months than he does right now, um, but that's fine. And and you you shape that into what you're looking for. And he's just got those feet. You mentioned his basketball career during your interview there. Um, that's something that you know you you really that's what you're looking for when you're talking about taking these 320 ish pound guys. Um, so that that's my first thought. Um, going back to what he's been able to do over the last couple of years is he's gone from just this flat out raw prospect and he's still a raw prospect don't get me wrong um, but he's gone from this flat out raw couple of years in the in the development type guy to a guy that has has certainly shown some I, I, some college like progress over the last half of his high school's uh, career. So I'm excited to see what they uh, do with him. Obviously, he's an interior guy all the way. He's not a guy that's going to play, you know, come in and play right away as a freshman, um, but you don't need him to. So I'm excited to see his career progress because they are extremely high on this man. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. When you talk about guys that they think are, you know, that we, that they think we have underrated at 24 7 sports. Nate Bruce is always a guy that that pops up from that aspect. They're very high in this guy as an interior lineman. Is he a center? Is he a guard? I don't really think it matters. You just figure out uh, what you can do when you get him out there. And if he continues to go where he's at on the physical track, um, you know, I think he's got a lot of that mental makeup where he can, you know, turn into a quality player at, at, here at Penn State. Yeah, one one thing that uh, Tyler Bowen kind of stressed about both Bruce and Tangwall when we had a chance to talk with him after the early signing period was. The aggressiveness on, on both their parts, and and as Nate Bruce told us, that's something that kind of came uh, coincided with the the elevated confidence on the football field, and he realized, hey, you can play with the mean streak, and and they're not going to call penalty on you. You can be a mean guy, um, and and I think right here with, with getting Nate Bruce, it, it's a it's a big in state addition in a year where there were not many big state additions. Um, you want to keep that pipeline, you know, so, uh, intact with Harrisburg. Good relationship there. Word of mouth is important. You heard it from him about the, the just the overall effectiveness of of watching Micah Parsons do what he did uh, as a Penn State recruit and as a Penn State player. And and now you hope maybe Nate Bruce can can bring that full circle. And the kid who shows up uh, two years down the road out of Harrisburg looks at what he's been able to do with the Nittany Lions. So it's a good spot to have recruiting success. And Nate Bruce, it's a small class, like we said, on the offensive line. We have a lot to learn about all five of those offensive linemen that Penn State signed last year. 
I still have a lot to learn about Anthony Wigan, the guy who's in his fifth year of college at, at the interior spot and guard at Lackawanna College. And, you know, now add Nate Bruce, add Tangwall to that list. We've certainly been hammering home the point that Tangwall is prepared to come in, maybe push for that too deep role. I think you want to give Nate Bruce a little bit more time, but his ability to get on campus in January. And once again, he pointed to Parsons and seeing him be an early enrollee and uh, you know, that, that's something that I think is, is important. He's been motivated to get to campus for a while. We hope all of these guys have a chance to really maximize their first semester on campus in a way that the last early enrollee class was unable to do because of the circumstances. Nothing is promised in that capacity, but uh, it, it's a group that we will focus on later in the week, Sean, I think, as, as we kind of preview their arrival. And we're going to do our best over the course of these next few days to, to put together some interviews these guys are really busy right now. It's it's a huge moment in their lives. But if they can set aside a few minutes for us, Sean and I are going to try to, to, to get some more of these guys' voices uh, to your earbuds. Yep. Looking forward to that. Um, obviously, not long until they enroll, but uh, it's it, it's probably not a class where you look at it and say, okay, these guys are coming in early. They're going to go right away with maybe the exception of Tang Wall, who's probably going to start out at tackle. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an intriguing time. Also, considering offensive line, still going after Eric Wilson, the, the grad transfer from Harvard, who's an interior guy. So maybe you patch and play there. Uh, it's hard to say. So it's uh, this this roster movement is it's been good for us. It's uh, certainly a lot of lot to talk about, lot to uh, write about. Um, so hopefully that continues over the next couple of weeks and months. Well, let's stay on the roster movement conversation because that is where the five-star mailbag leads us. And again, we've had a great influx of questions coming up on Apple Podcasts. All you do, drop the five-star rating and review, throw your question in there, and we'll get to it here. So we've got a few to get to. This one stood out because it was pretty timely. Let's jump into it. And this comes from uh, someone who calls himself a longtime subscriber to 24-7 Sports. So thank you to them for that. Um, they said, I'm just as excited as everyone else about the activity in the transfer portal, but I'm a bit nervous about getting unrealistic expectations. To me, when our guys enter the portal, there is more of a don't let the door hit you on the way out attitude rather than, oh no, I can't believe he's leaving. I assume this is the case with many or most of all players who leave their schools and enter the portal, guessing there are a lot more Justin Shorters than Justin Fields in there. Thank you. So there, there it is. What a great question. This is something that I've been not really tiptoeing around, but trying to figure out how to work it into a conversation about the portal because the portal is seen by a lot of people as, you know, you see Justin Fields, what he's been able to do. You see some of these other guys have just been stars at their new schools and especially at the quarterback position. Uh, most of those guys or most of the guys in the portal that that end up on the other side don't really work out. And that's the thing to sort of be wary about when you're talking about celebrating a transfer. Okay, let's look at Derek Tangelo. Comes from Duke, uh, was pretty productive, not quite an all-conference guy there, but pretty productive at Duke and not a particularly good football team. Um, but he transfers to Penn State. You get the, you know, the, the streamers coming down and everybody's celebrating everything. You've got Antonio Shelton going from Penn State, a guy that, you know, was fairly solid. Obviously, we, we've seen a lot more of him than we've seen of Derek Tangelo. Um, but you, you see him going to Florida and now Florida's going to celebrate his arrival. Penn State's kind of kicking him out. It, it's very, it's a very interesting uh, case study when you talk about how familiar you are with these guys and you've seen probably a lot of the bad to come with the good. You're going to a new spot. Florida fans have seen the highlight tape of, of Antonio Shelton doing some good things at Penn State. Now they're excited. I think it's a very uh, a thin line to walk because you're looking at guys to come in and, and make an impact. And, you know, let's be honest here. It's kind of like recruiting. Not all these guys are going to be impact players for Penn State. And that's something that you got to keep in the back of your mind. Most of them leaving for a reason. Now, I, I look at Arnold Ibiquite, I look at Derek Tangelo as guys that, you know, are kind of moving up in that direction. And I said this on an episode a week or two ago, you've got guys that you're catching in the ascent as opposed to, and it was mentioned in this question, uh, you know, guys that you're, you know, are just getting out and going somewhere else and maybe uh, relying on their recruiting ranking or re relying on their past uh, reputation to get things done. So this is certainly something you walk into cautiously because, you know, maybe all of a sudden this guy isn't isn't the savior that you thought he would be. And I think this is a, a tremendous question because, 
yeah, and not everybody's going to pan out, and that's something that you have to 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 deal with and 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 think about. On the good on the flip side of that, the good side of that is if not everybody pans out, I mean this this is an experiment that only takes a year or maybe not even that for some of those guys. I mean we we found out you know a couple of of weeks or months in that Weston Carr was not going to be that guy. You know we we thought maybe he could come in and be that veteran presence. Well, it didn't happen. You only get one year of him. You move on from him, and it's sort of like a no blood, no foul type of thing. Um, that this is an interesting situation because you look at the the guys that they brought in so far. Um, Lovett is a guy that you know is he on the ascent? Is he on the descent? I don't I don't know. I, I think he's probably kind of like Shelton, where you're just kind of walking that that straight line. Johnny Dixon, I think, is a guy that's on the ascent. And and, and this is another thing: we've got all access VIP uh, subscriptions at twenty four seven Sports, where you can read the other team's message board. Not too many South Carolina fans happy about Johnny Dixon leaving. Not too many Duke fans happy about Derek Tangelo reading. I don't I don't remember what the the barometer said for Arnold Abiketi. So that's something that you can kind of take from. Um, what we offer here at twenty four seven Sports is that general fan reaction from the outgoing school. I think that's the. There's probably something to that. I mean, what's the saying? One man's garbage is another man's gold, and sometimes that rings true on the message boards here uh, across across this network because you, you see some people lamenting a loss um, and and some people celebrating a, a departure, and meanwhile they land somewhere else and and they think it's the addition that maybe puts them over the top. And uh, we've seen it right here in Lions twenty four seven very different reactions to particular players entering the transfer portal versus others uh, over the course of the recent years. So yeah, it, it, it's certainly interesting. I think you covered a ton of ground there and answered the question great. And it, and it is a really great question. And, and we've gotten a few of them. We look forward to getting to in the next episodes. Um, I, I think I think one thing is Sean that you know Chris Hummer came on this show I think last summer and gave us a really really detailed analysis of what. He had seen now that we have a bigger sample size of the transfer portal, and I'd be curious to get him on maybe again this offseason with another year of of observing it because he does that for 24-7 sports so meticulously and the comings and goings. But the big story is often the guys who get lost in the abyss of the transfer portal and end up going down a level of football when they weren't expecting it. Um, or end up out of football for for that season, and because they couldn't find the right fit. So um, we'll see. This we we know this much. We're gonna have a much larger list of did it work out for Penn State going into the 2021 season and coming out of the 2021 season with the transfers than we have over the course of, of cumulatively since the transfer portal came into existence. Because Jordan Stout is is really the guy that that everyone knows about. Aside from that, Weston Carr came and went and, and hardly made a blip on the radar. Um, I may be forgetting somebody, you know, uh, but but that's that's really about it. And here we've got, you know, guys we're pegging as starters. Multiple guys we're pegging as starters for Penn State before they get on the practice field with this roster. And um, that is the that is the fascinating case study of of the transfer market. And Penn State wants to go f- further into it. We'll see if it gives them a boost. We'll see if it bites them in a bad way. Um, but but I think you had no other option if you're the Penn State staff than to take this approach and see where it can lead you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you look back to what we've seen and and we're still learning about the transfer portal. That's something that, you know, is kind of lost is, is there's no right answer yet because we don't really have the data to go back on it. Now we'll eventually rate these guys at 24-7 sports and see what kind of impact. For example, last year, and this is this is the entire question sort of encompassed in, in one case here, Justin Shorter leaves Penn State and you're like, okay, um, you know, he was a five-star kid, obviously, um, but did not have the impact that you thought he would. And, you know, he goes to Florida and Florida celebrates the five-star transfer. And we at 24-7 Sports rate him as a three-star uh, 88 prospect, which I think Justin Short is tremendously talented. I don't know that it's all come together for him at Florida either, but it's just, it's it's so funny because Penn State fans are not kicking him out the door. They're, obviously, most Penn State fans, I think, wanted him back or wanted to see what he could develop into. But you know, not that big of a loss in hindsight, uh, aside from the stars there. And Ricky Slade's probably a, a, another example of that. Um, and then Florida, on the other hand, is like, man, we got this five-star guy. He's going to come in. He's going to be a huge part of this passing game. And, and you know, the talent's always been there, et cetera, et cetera. And then he goes out and, you know, it doesn't really have the, the, the best season. So it's just, yeah, this question nails it on the head uh, just in terms of what you can expect. And and it's, a lot of it's going to be different. I, I say, you know, watch that career arc. If 
you're going from low to high, you know, certainly the step up in competition is something you're going to have to deal with. But I'd rather take a guy who seems like he's on the ascent than a guy that was a, a five star prospect at one point, And now you're trying to 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 get it out of him just to, to will it out of him at the end of his career. So that's certainly, uh, you know, a, a question that I've thought about several times in my head. I don't know if we've uh, communicated to you clearly as, as, as I would think so in my head, but it's just a fascinating topic. And it's going to be something um, as Penn State continues to, to delve into this transfer market, it's going to be something that, you know, we have to keep in the back of our minds. We do a great job at 24-7 Sports. And by we, I mean Chris Hummer and our vast collection of, of, of people who keep tabs on the transfer portal hour by hour, moment by moment. But we do a great job of putting together these long lists of names. And, and some guys are former five stars like Justin Shorter. Some guys didn't have a power five offer. You know, a, you know, a guy like Drew Hartlob, who's not even on scholarship, goes into the portal. But I'm looking through last year when we did assign those rankings to that transfer group. A lot of three stars, Sean. There's one receiver who was a four star. There's two quarterbacks who were four stars. There's one running back who was a four star. Everybody else on this list is a three star or didn't get a Stark uh, rating assignment. Um, I didn't go through every position here, but you're used to maybe looking through the high school list and, and you got to go, what, two, through 250 guys before you find your first, more than that, you know, almost 300 guys or, or somewhere around that before you find your first three star. I'd be surprised if there were more than 15, a dozen maybe guys who we have were evaluated by 24-7 sports above that three-star threshold in last year's transfer market. And that is very telling because if you match the names, and, and we do it here, we have their transfer rating, below that their high school rating. There's not a lot of guys on that ascent you're talking about. It's very much so guys who have a lot to prove comparatively to, to where we saw them as 17-year-old, 18-year-old players on signing day. Yep. And it's uh it's a very interesting group. I mean you you mentioned it. Just in the quarterbacks last year, you had Daniels uh, went to Georgia and Jamie Newman who went to Georgia that everybody thought would be a, yeah. a guy before he opted out. Costello that went to Mississippi State, King that went to Miami. Uh, you know, was a really good player down at Miami. But yeah, it's just uh, it's fascinating to see how that works. And, and it's it's not everybody's Justin Fields, not everybody's Joe Burrow. And even you think back to it, Joe Burrow was not a guy that you thought would be Joe Burrow. So. Going to be a lot of misses out of that portal, and and Penn, if you're Penn State, if you're Penn State fan, you're hoping you're you're more on the hit side. Well, the transfer portal rolls on. Not the last time we will be talking about it on this podcast. Who knows? We may have another move to discuss on the very next one. Um, it is a fluid situation. It has been for a while now, um, and, and I'm sure everyone has realized that. Um, there's our return to the podcast from my new home. I, we're going to get on the right track with our audio equipment here. Uh, get that all set up for you moving ahead. Um, thanks again to Nate Bruce. Sean, anything else to add before we uh, close this one out? No, I think that's uh, that should be about it for me. All right. On behalf of Sean, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.